0: Hello everyone and welcome to Fascinating Nouns, your stopping point for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. This is a nexus point where we explore the intriguing, interesting, invigorating, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe. I'm your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Tonight's topic, shamanism. Tonight's guest, Howard Lip, and he's sitting right next to me. Well, Howard, thank you for uh, coming out today, man. I really appreciate you taking time out. Oh, you're welcome. So you're an interesting guy. So we're going to talk about a few things that I'm pretty excited about, things that are kind of near and dear to my heart that I know nothing about. Um, So you know a lot about shamanism, which is how we kind of um, met each other and kind of developed a connection. And you also do uh, a little bit with audio healing, which we're going to get to. Because I met you as an audio designer on a a film, I believe. That's how we met. Well, let's talk about shamanism first, because I don't think a lot of people that are going to be listening to this know even what that is. It's going to sound you know, like voodoo kind of stuff. So
1: well, shamanism is an interesting practice. OK, um, the word shaman actually comes from Siberia. It's a Tung- Tunguskan word. Shaman. Yeah, it's actually a Russian word. And, know you know, the practice of the shaman is really to step into altered states of consciousness to get information, sometimes to affect healing, sometimes to divine facts. And um, it typically, in most cultures, has not required any plants or other substances to achieve the altered state. Does not. Does not.
0: What about, but aren't shamans, like when I think of shaman, I think of like a medicine man or... Yes,
1: medicine man. But medicine in the traditional indigenous sense of the word actually means energy
0: so it's not something you take that's the more it's not that's a more modern something
1: you take there are some cultures obviously that use plant plants that generate an altered state of consciousness but most of the indigenous cultures that use plants are not generating an altered state of consciousness with a plant or a mushroom
0: or, or a any or any kind of naturally right. occurring
1: they generally generate an altered state of consciousness with drumming
0: oh so how does that work
1: well modern um, psychological wisdom now knows that if you drum at a certain frequency you can enter the theta state
0: okay right I know about this a little bit yeah okay so
1: it's somewhere in the 180 to 240 beats per second range
0: because it mimics the cycles of the the brain pattern exactly and so it
1: entrains the brain into that into that state and in the theta state we tend to be able to journey and we're not really journeying into realms that we aren't already presently aware of you know some people say they get guidance or wisdom from an inner voice or from some guides. Some people use meditation to connect into the wisdom of, of what they call ascended masters or teachers or animal spirits or even plant spirits.
0: So uh, is that are those the only goals of shamanism?
1: Shamanism has been used for a lot of different things. Um, one is to just learn information to connect in with guidance. Um, It's been used to find new places for a tribe to move. It's been used to divine healing. It's been used to identify energies that may be infecting people. Because when it comes down to it, it's all a vibration. And the vibration of illness is another life form separate from the human body. For example, if you have typhoid. You have been invaded by a living being mm-hmm. that is multiplying and causing harm. So, in the shamanic state of consciousness, this being can be discerned.
0: Okay, so this, so it's not like chi, like uh, acupuncture or the energy flow. Well, chi is um, is it similar? It in is that the district? flow
1: of, of life force or life energy of your
0: individual being? Not of event. your
1: individual being, and okay. it is energy that that um, that we receive from cosmic source from our own life force and grounded through Mother Earth which is its own part of the battery flow of energy.
0: Okay, so when you say infecting energies, you mean...
1: It could be the energy of something physical or it could be the energy of something non-physical. This is where um, people with a modern sensibility start to think about this as being mumbo-jumbo. Okay. However, I don't think there's a human being alive who can't relate to the experience of stepping into a room with somebody who had a very toxic presence hmm. and being able to feel it even before they spoke. Wow, that person feels really angry or that person feels really sad. Hmm. It's an energy you can feel. And you know our culture is bombarded by so many sounds and so many signals that it's more challenging for us to discern them in the normal state of consciousness. You walk into a room with a thousand people at a gathering, you get close to some people, you can kind of sense their energy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, in a room that's crowded with that much energy going on, it may be more difficult.
0: But isn't it like individual voices? Like if each person has an energy signature that's given out, right, and you're trying to pick up on it. I mean, it's it's like everyone's saying, hello, hi, hi. hi right. And you're trying to hear one in particular person.
1: It takes so practice me- to be able to tune in. Okay.
0: But I mean, even in a big room, I think it'd be more difficult than you know. More difficult,
1: as you said, because there's a lot of people saying hello.
0: Yeah. Um, So, so the the purpose is to manipulate that energy or to use it. The purpose is to
1: first identify if it's an energy that's not that person's. For example, Mm -hmm. when you're doing healing. Okay. And in shamanic practice, it has been used culturally for lots of different purposes that are not necessarily good. (laughs) <laughs> positive okay. well, uh, you've heard of people go like, on you know, what do you mean like well uh, putting um you know putting a curse on somebody oh, i, I hate to use that word but it's because okay. it's so
0: you said it. it's your words not mine. right yeah
1: right but putting bad energy on somebody wishing them harm wishing them ill wishing them something bad to happen
0: so to manipulate it for your purpose to to affect someone else negatively yes okay Um, so what, what exactly do you do? So do you, um, when people come in, how do you, when
1: people come in, we use sound and vibration. I even practice something called acutonics, which is like acupuncture with tuning forks.
0: Hmm, I've never heard of that before.
1: It's a pretty interesting practice. I guess it's been around about 20 years. Okay. And what they, uh, what we're doing basically is opening blocks in people's energy system. You know, in, in, um, Vedic, um, med- medicine practice they call it the nadis right. in Chinese medicine practice they call it the meridians or the mm, acupuncture right. points sure. so similarly to ac- acupuncture we're opening these channels in the body to allow energy to flow and more and more scientifically we're starting to understand through some techniques that had been discovered years ago like Kirlian photography where mm. we can actually see the flow of energy around a human body and it's only a matter of time before we're able to identify the flow of it Energy through the human body.
0: Okay.
1: We know that the human body is a series of electrical and biochemical impulses that allows us to see and hear and feel and move and function in the world
0: and interpret it all because all the and, yeah that's all the interpretation. And then we, so we have
1: this different. incredible brain, which you know, no one really mm-hmm. knows where in the brain our spirit lies, or mm-hmm. or you know, we know it's a massive associative memory architecture mm-hmm. that allows us to associate sound with. Um, sense like touch and smell right and you know the smell of a rose could trigger a memory from 50 years ago how does that work
0: yeah i mean your sense is the closest thing tied to memory like what is that relationship why are they married together so so much more closely than any other
1: sense exactly well it, i think it's because that is how we process the world you know yeah. the largest part of our our brain is our visual and auditory processing segments because we're taking in so much information. I mean, we still have trouble making a computer interpret an image as quickly as a human being can.
0: I didn't know that. Is that true?
1: It's true. You know, vision processing for computers really is about identifying components that are being automatically placed on a circuit board. Right. But to actually have a camera connected to a computer identify an electrical outlet on the wall, it's quite a bit more complicated than it is for a human. It takes a human about a second and a half to look around a room and find an electrical outlet. Mm. It could take a robot with the most sophisticated computing minutes, if not hours, to identify them because they have so many different shapes and colors right, and yes. orientations. And yeah. a human being can suss that out instantly because we have something called associative memory, mm. which means that we can look at a visual and associate orientation and we can work things out in a three-dimensional way very quickly, whereas a computer has to use an algorithm. And a human is using a very different processing ability. It's more
0: specific. It's more specialized to what were the types of things we're going to encounter.
1: Absolutely. You know, the human being, I mean, first of all, our primary, our most primitive function is to keep the body operating and that's the brain stem. And then the next level above that is, is the, the mechanism that, that we use to keep ourselves safe. Is that sound a predator? Is that mm. sound like An air horn of a car We need to step back On the curb or Right So those kinds of things refle- Are trigger, triggering reflexes They happen instantaneously And they're primal and the base They're primal Because it's all about Survival of the machine
0: Yeah Well I was just While we're talking I was thinking about this You know From what I remember From, from grade school Let's see if I can Pull something out As far as the senses go The types of components That go into To, to creating The individual sense So let's say you, Your taste buds You have four different tastes Correct so the combination of whatever it is, if you eat sugar, it's going to hit that sweet spot more than it's going to hit the sour spot, and it's, that's how we can tell. So there's four in the tongue, uh, in the eyes, there's three. It's still it's red, you know, it's red, yellow, and blue, I believe. Um, I don't know what touch would be. I think there's so many different types of, you know, whether it's felt or whether it's, you know, rough, hard, you know. But in the nose, I remember this specifically. Because we had a, I, had, I asked this question in class, and the teacher had to go look it up, is that in the nose, there's actually seven different types of combinations. So that would make it more specific than any other sense that we have.
1: It is. And depending on the type of being, um, there is a much greater percentage of the brain dedicated to processing that organ. For example, dogs have a much more elaborate um, processing segment of their brain dedicated to scent. Yeah. Whereas vision, they don't. First of all, they see in black and white, but it's not that critical to their function. Right. You know, seeing, I mean, there are blind dogs that function well. I had one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So for them, their sense of smell and their hearing are the most critical needs. Black and white works fine for them for vision.
0: Yeah, that makes. and I guess the ear, I didn't think, of the, because the ear has so many different, you know, cilia with little things on top, so they, the number of frequencies, the dynamic range, bam, nailed it, you're, you're an audio guy, is greater than would be the dynamic range, even the um, electromagnetic spectrum of sight, I would imagine. I'm just throwing, I don't know if that's true or not, but.
1: Well, the electromagnetic spectrum of sight is actually a pretty small range. Extremely small. A very small range of frequencies, what's visual to a human.
0: And I think the hearing is greater, you know, frequency The wise. bandwidth
1: of frequencies in terms of um, what you want to call octaves or decades of sound. Yeah. Yeah, the human being hears, you know, I think, you know, 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. Right. Which is several decades.
0: Yeah. Decades meaning? Uh, times 10,
1: 20 oh, 10. Oh, I
0: see. I see what you mean. Okay. So, uh, so let's go back to, so the uh, Akuk. Tro- Acutronics. Accutronics. So how does, that, how does it work?
1: Um, using tuning forks that are tuned to various planetary frequencies. And one of them being the fundamental one, which is the grounding one, which is the frequency of ohm. Oh. Which is actually tuned planetarily to the annual frequency of the earth orbiting the sun.
0: What is that frequency?
1: It's about 135.1 hertz. The 22nd or 23rd octave of it is. <laughs> really? Yeah. So oftentimes you'll hear monks chant or people chant ohm And not so accidentally, it's between C and C sharp, is that pitch comes up a lot. And the Inu say, who live up near the Arctic, that you could still hear the earth make that sound. No kidding. Be- because there's no city sound or any other sounds to oh, drown wow. it out. That's amazing. So that's the frequency of ohm or the earth. Yeah. And there are several other... Uh, frequencies that are used in your basic set of forks, which is um, qi, which is the uh, frequency of the earth rotating one day, which is considered to be the frequency of energy or qi in the body. Mm-hmm. And then there is the frequency of the new moon and the full moon, which is used for opening or yin. The, the full moon is yin. And the sun, which is the sun's rotational frequency, which is yang,
0: so how, who, who calculated all these? I imagine ancient cultures calculated the I times. don't think necessarily
1: ancient cultures calculated them, but I think the people at the Kairos Institute did a lot of research and found that these frequencies were the most impactful. Mm. And frankly, when you think about the fact that everything is energy in our experience, mm-hmm. the most impactful bodies in our experience is the earth, the sun, the moon, And they use tunings for other planets as well for various and asteroids and other celestial bodies as part of the practice with acutonics, but the basic set is for those planets that have, or celestial bodies that have the most close impact on the body.
0: Well, here's, this is, and I've always said this, never to you necessarily, but in my life, I've said this a lot. As human beings, what's amazing to me is we are, all animals, let me say anything that's on this particular earth, we are so, so in tune with the cycles of the Earth. I mean, you know, like we, we, we get tired when the sun goes down. We wake up when the sun is up. You know, even the, 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 as light hits our eyes in the morning, it creates a chemical reaction that wakes us up naturally. You know, we, um, we're so in tune with... Every, all, this, all these cycles and all these energies are so finely in tune with this particular Earth you know, we, we live on a yearly cycle. You know, like everything, when it's time for spring to be over, we feel like summer should start. And then summer starts. And then, we, you know, it's, it's just very, it's the rhythms of the earth. And so, it, to me, it's no surprise that our bodies would be in sync with the systems of the celestial bodies. It'd,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And this is shamanism. This is being in tune with the rhythm of nature.
0: Isn't that Wiccan, or is that something else, or closely?
1: closely. It's indigenous science. It's indigenous mm-hmm. knowing. That Whether makes sense, yeah. no matter what culture you're from, we practiced based on the movement of the sun, when to plant, mm. when to harvest, when to rest, when to store food. We use these different energies as part of a system of reverence, mm. and these energies can also be used to help us tune in to ourselves. You know, there's a lot of mythology that comes into religion that actually is interpretations of ancient practices. Right. For example, you know, the return of the sun, Mm -hmm. you know, which was referring to the birth of Jesus was actually around the shortest day of the year, which in ancient cultures, very primitive, very primitive. People believed that the sun was going away because the days were getting shorter. Oh. And so as the days got shorter, they prayed for the return of the sun, which is the days getting longer. That's why so many ancient monuments mark the solstices and the equinoxes. Mm. The times when the sun is at its maximum length of a day and at minimum length of a day, because this is how we mark time. But more importantly, this is how we marked when it was time to plant. Right. So celebrations happened around that. That makes sense. days being longer than the nights, meant that there was more light. The nights being longer than the days meant that they were in shadow more than they were in light. Right. So and there was lots of superstition or mythology created around it, but in a practical sense, a culture that was based on agriculture needed right. to track these things very, very precisely. That makes sense. The better they could track it, the better they could uh, they could plant and harvest, and the better their yields would be.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So then, so you harness that kind of knowledge. And so when, when someone comes in and you have these tuning forks, how does it, how does it work?
1: Well, I think the first thing that's, that's done is we ground them to bring them present to the process that we're working on right at the moment. And that really is to get them present to the right here and now, because they've just come from life in a very complicated, very busy, very energetically challenging world. Mm Mm-hmm. So we bring them into that space, and then we start by asking the body, literally, what it needs. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things people will talk a little bit about what's going on with them. Maybe they're having night sweats. Maybe they wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Certain organs are more active at certain times of the day if they're having challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe they're dealing with anger issues or fear issues. So we use ancient wisdom from Oriental medicine as well. Um, can okay. you say Oriental? Oriental, Asian. Can say, again, yeah. Um, kidneys are the organs of fear. Lungs are mm-hmm. the organs of grief. Intestines are the organs of grief and hanging on to old old pain, old suffering. Hmm. So different organ systems get blocked up.
0: Do they vibrate? The organ systems vibrate at different They have different
1: frequencies and they also have associated um, characters like paper or wood. In the Chinese five elements right. system, they have five elements that associate with various organs.
0: So how do you, how would you take, like let's say you have to take your kidneys and you have to get them, you know, you're trying to get them to a certain frequency. How do you, how do you target individual organs? Well,
1: first thing you target is the meridian system associated with that organ. Okay. So the kidney meridian, and these are all well charted. You can buy a a kidney or meridian chart at many different supply houses. You can even find them online. And uh, you apply energy to various points on that organ's meridian. I see,
0: like acupuncture. Like acupuncture. So, so you ground. So you ground the person. You ask. You get an answer. How does it? What is the answer? What form does that come in?
1: Well, usually the question is very simply a yes or no question, and there's lots of ways to suss that energy out from the body. There is kinesiology, mm. which is the technique using muscle testing, and that's a very effective one. Sure. Um, People who have practiced Chinese medicine for a very long time check the pulses.
0: Pulses or pulse? Pulses. What are the pulses?
1: The pulses refer to the organ systems in the body and someone who's been practicing Chinese medicine long enough will put three fingers along the meridian or along the uh, the artery where the human pulse is detected and they can actually feel the pulse of different organ systems. No kidding. The yang aspects of it or the yin depending on whether they're testing the right or left arm. Really? They say you have to test ten thousand pulses before you get good at it, but there's also everything's ten thousand with the right. Chinese, yes, you know, it is well, you know, do it a, a while
0: wh- right, <laughs> yeah, do it a while <laughs> so you so you can you do that? I mean, are you good? You no, know, I
1: generally ask the body, yeah. I intuit it more than anything because yeah. the body is actually very willing to speak, and yeah. when you have a person in a state where they're calm, yeah, you know, and part of it is the discussion you have beforehand they will tell you what they're working on. Oh, oh. You know, if they're dealing with anger, you already know there's some things going on with the liver. If they're dealing with fear issues, you already know there's some things going on with the kidney. And then there are certain places in the human body where energy naturally gets stuck. Mm, like there, uh, um, there's a an intersection of three yin meridians which help to move water that that crosses pointed in, to your ankle. Yeah, just for above, those listening, just <laughs> above the ankle. Um, it's called the Three Yin Crossing, and that's a a place that gets stuck often. It sounds like it's a cool name though, the Three Yin Crossing.
0: Yeah, I'd build a house there. Yeah. And so so what do you do to get it unstuck?
1: Well the By first them. thing you do is you use the new moon fork and the grounding fork, the ohm fork. The new moon is for opening. Oh, okay. And astrologically it's been believed to be a place of opening. Mm-hmm. It's um and astrology ties quite a bit into to our life and to shamanism. Seems like it. Again, because the the movement of the celestial bodies and their impact on us is undeniable. I mean, there's lots of different belief systems and most of them is due to religiosity which says that any of these earth-based practices have to be bad because there's only one source. But the fact is Hmm. that one source created all of these things.
0: Yeah, the one source is just one step back. Right, exactly. (laughs) You know, there's
1: the creator and then there's the creation. Yeah, And the moon is part of that creation. So right. it's not necessarily about worshipping the moon, but it's about recognizing the moon's influence on the body. It's right to exist. Right. <laughs> and its importance. If it was created, it has a right to be here. Exactly, right? So, huh. no different than negative energies or positive energies. You know, there's a lot of belief around maybe God created some angelic beings that, that, uh, that turned against the source and, and then become the supreme dark force, but... Right. In the cosmology of reality, as I've come to understand it, there's nothing that the creator could have created that could become as powerful or as great as it is. Right. It's just not possible.
0: Yeah, could like the old age old question, could God create a gun that could kill himself or something like that. Yeah.
1: It's kind of a non sequitur.
0: Yeah. Makes no. you think. It's, it's a mind bender.
1: It's a mind bender. For it's sure. one of those things that George Carlin used to use to confound the <laughs> priests when he was in Catholic school. <laughs> he said, <laughs> "Could God make a stone so big that He Himself could not pick it up?" He got thrown out of Catholic school for that stuff.
0: He did. He was good. He was a smart guy. He was funny. Um, so you have a lot of results with this. So when people, a lot
1: of results. People feel better. People feel better, and that's the most important part. You know, it's no different than is it a placebo effect? I don't believe so. Any more than I think testing sugar pills against Western medicines in a double-blind clinical trial. One of the things we have found about clinical trials is is that they don't publish all the results. They only publa- we'll publish publish one the ones time. that support their premise. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not required to publish them all. But the fact is, if you look at all the published, if you look at all the reports that are that come from double blind trials, especially on drugs, you find that they are virtually indistinguishable from placebo. And yet placebo has no side effects. So how is that? Mm -hmm. Is it that someone's belief that their body can heal is what allows them to heal? Well, in a nutshell, yes, absolutely. Hmm. There is nothing that a doctor can do for your body to make it well that will be effective if you don't trust that it will.
0: Huh, so so everything you do is pointless then because if you just tell them and they believe that they'll get well, they don't even need anything.
1: They don't really need anything. Occasionally, people need support to help remove blockages, to help open channels that have been stuck Mm. and that can be very helpful. But it's not essential. Hmm. The human body is an equilibrium and healing machine. I mean, if you see a seven-year-old They fall down, they scrape their knees, they get up, they cry it out, they go on. In three days, the band-aid comes off, the scab is gone. Wow. Yeah. Why does it take so much longer for a 70-year-old? Is it because the body is old? I don't believe it. You don't think so? Nope. You don't
0: think we wear down? and?
1: I think there are certain things about our metabolism that do tend to slow down a little.
0: (laughs) Very true. As the
1: clock winds down a bit, but I don't believe that the ability of the body to heal itself from anything ever changes until the moment that that body decides it's time to leave.
0: Yeah, and then it can't heal itself after
1: that. Well, it's done for whatever purpose. The meat suit that that person is wearing for this lifetime (laughs) has served its purpose.
0: Yeah. But do you think we have the ability to heal up until the end? Absolutely. And heal anything?
1: Heal anything. More and more, we're seeing that people heal the spiritual aspects of what's going on with them. The physical body follows suit. It won't happen any other way. Hmm. You know, and I'm not saying spiritual in a religious sense. I'm saying spiritual in a getting right with who I am sense. Because religion often gives us a lot of rules that make it pretty impossible for us to get right spiritually. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many do this and don't do that and you're, you're forever bad if you do this. And yeah. And the source and spirit doesn't work that way. There's no judgment. We're here to, to learn how to be the best we we can be. You know, doing what we love, with and for people that we love
0: yeah um well so uh, along those lines when
1: we,
0: so there's some medicine work that you do as well yes yeah i've Is been the...
1: involved in in medicine work i've gone to south america a number of times um i i had a interesting childhood it wasn't the most <laughs> than <Didn't> we all <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and uh you know so i i um i wound up with a drinking problem um, because I just couldn't deal with how I was feeling. Drinking yeah. and drugs. Methamphetamine, cocaine. It was it was pretty gnarly. Yeah. And in 2002, I stopped. Somebody offered me an opportunity to go to a treatment center and I took it. And while there, you know, abstinence was a really good thing. Drug abstinence. When that's- Drug and alcohol abstinence was okay. a really good thing. Getting separated from your playmates and playthings. And I participated <laughs> in the 12-step way pretty rigidly for a long time. But during that process, I also came across a number of people who I knew from the from the fellowship who said, look, if you hang your hat here without getting any other assistance, you're going to wind up spending the rest of your life declaring yourself to be broken beyond repair, mm. needing a daily miracle. And just the fact that at the beginning of every meeting, you declare yourself to be whatever your disease is. Right. It's like saying, I'm Howard and I have cancer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because you, you say it at the beginning and, it's, and that's how you are for the rest it's of your life. It's a
1: declaration of brokenness yeah, permanently. Yeah, that's true.
0: That is, I didn't think about that, but that's true.
1: And it's not effective. As a matter of fact, it's effective in keeping people sick. Yeah. And uh, I have nothing against 12-step recovery. It helped me a lot, but it wasn't the end of my healing. It was the beginning. Right. And it was suggested that I take a trip down to Peru and do some work with some shamans. So I did. And I have to say, that was even more impactful than the recovery work because I actually got to go in and look at what was troubling me. Emotional stuff that was stuck, really stuck. Belief systems that had been formed from before I even had spoken language about who I am, Mm -hmm. what I was to the world, to my family, and what life meant for me. You know, I was religious growing up as a kid, but I didn't really get spirituality there. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't have a connection to source that was authentic from the heart. I had a lot of practices, and a lot of rules, and a lot of traditions, and a lot of rituals, but I wasn't really connecting to them on a core level.
0: Like a lot of people, actually. Right, yeah. right.
1: You know, this is what you do, because your parents did it, and that's yeah. all well and good, but it's not very nurturing. It's not very nurturing, or nourishing. And it it certainly doesn't give you, a, didn't give me a connection to why I'm here, what my purpose is. And so I went down to Peru and I was there for quite a while. And and I did some medicine work with a couple of different healers down there, a couple of different shamans and and really came to understand some more important things about what it meant to be me and what it meant to be human.
0: Now, when you say medicine work, what exactly does that mean?
1: I went down to a center that worked with South American plant medicine. They were working with ayahuasca.
0: And so what, just what, if you, whatever you can tell me, what could, just because most people don't even know what that means. It's a very vague term. So what exactly happens?
1: Um, during the process, you drink a tea made from a couple of plants. And the interesting thing about these plants is they carry the spirit molecule, which is dimethyltryptamine, which is present in every living being on the
0: planet those aren't the things from star wars that give you the force is this is very different
1: no no those are midichlorians midichlorians
0: i was wanted it was on the tip of my tongue but it was okay so this is not
1: that no no this is a chemical produced by the pineal gland in the brain called the spirit molecule it's produced 49 days after conception and it's with you your entire life every living this, thing on the planet runs on
0: the it. spirit molecule There's this a, is different than the god particle right God so particle it? is the gluon, I believe. Right, <laughs> yes. So the spirit mo- I've never heard this. this, is new to me. So the spirit molecule,
1: what's it called again? Oh no, the God particle is the Higgs boson.
0: That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, very close to the gluon though. Yes.
1: The, 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 the spirit molecule, the interesting thing about what, what's it is, it we all run on it, dimethyltryptamine, DMT. Put your antenna up into the spirit realm so that you can actually see and experience the energies that you can only sense in the normal state of consciousness. Okay. This is one of those practices where anyone can step into this realm um, without drumming. drumming. The drumming practice for shamanic journeying is a really good one and anybody can do it, but it takes a lot of practice. Stepping into this realm with the aid of a shaman, someone who is trained in this kind of ritual down in Peru. There are, there are other places in the world, I think Ecuador and Brazil, and the Daime Church here in the States actually practices it as well. They do it in a different kind of a context. It's about going in and finding all those things that are out of alignment with being in love with who we are and clearing our purpose for being here and ready to step out into life and live that purpose powerfully. For some people, that may be some trauma and wounding that they had as a child. Maybe they were molested. Maybe they were abused. Um, You know, maybe they were raised in a Catholic school where they didn't really resonate with all the rules and, and all of the things that go along with that. There's an infinite number of things that can cause someone to be out of alignment. There's
0: a lot of things that can go wrong in your childhood.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things that can go wrong through life. (laughs) One of the things someone said to me is, if you don't believe that you had a guardian spirit or a guardian angel or some kind of an animal totem in life, then just imagine all of those instances where you survived the unsurvivable. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got one of those stories at least. I have... Plenty of them. I mean, there were plenty of nights where I probably should have died just from the amount of alcohol and <laughs> drugs that I consumed. Yeah. And yet I kept waking up, cursing the ceiling, going, Why are you torturing me? Why can't I die? <laughs> oh, you know?
0: So, so, would, so this, this. During open, this ritual, they yeah. sing
1: and chant in various languages, and they use these melodies that actually resonate with various organ and meridian systems in the body. Okay. No different than the ancient melodies you hear in the old chants that are done in the Hindu bhakti tradition, these ancient mantras, Mm. um, or in the Tuvan singing, or in the Gyotu monks, Gyuto monks, or in the ancient Hebrew chanting. These melodies are all very similar. Some are guided by plant spirits, which they also use, because in the pharmacopoeia South America, plants are used for healing. Whereas in Western medicine, since you can't patent a plant, Mm. they have to find an extract of that plant that they think is the active ingredient so they can patent the extract and the process for extracting it. But what we found is that the plant itself is very balanced medicine. They have no side effects. So, you know, you may take an anti-inflammatory for your knee after surgery, but it causes all kinds of other problems. Whereas if you take cat's claw, which is just the bark of a tree, Grind it up and drink it like a tea. You might need to add a little honey or lemon because it isn't the tastiest thing on the planet.
0: Yeah, bark's not very good.
1: But it was the most effective. I had knee surgery, and instead of taking naproxen, the which they had prescribed, I said, I'm just going to use cat's claw. And the doctor goes, Well, tell me how it works, how that works out for you. A week later, I go in post surgery, and he looks at my knee and goes, So you took naproxen, huh? I said, No. He said, Well, what about that prescription I gave you for painkillers? Didn't need it. He said, This from. From this cat's claw. I said, Yeah, unha de gato, cat's claw. I would highly recommend that you suggest it to your patients. They will have zero issues with side effects. That's just one of uh there's hundreds of millions of plants out there and we haven't even begun to scratch the surface.
0: It's true. Well that that goes back to my point that we are in sync with the naturally occurring medicine of the earth like I turmeric people excuse i think that they extract cur- curcumin which is the active ingredient but they've shown you need everything everything right. that's in turmeric you need it and you need it live the powder is good but eating it fresh is even better
1: fresh is even better mm-hmm. there are enzymes that are still active and there's a balance to a plant most of amazonian shamanism is about using plants to help people's bodies come into harmony and balance mm-hmm. And it's because they have a very, very interesting way of learning how these plants work. Is that they actually just ingest that one plant for an extended period of time. Could be as long as a year. Hmm. And really nothing else or very little else.
0: Just one plant for 365 days.
1: Yeah. Occasionally they'll do it just for months at a time. It depends on the practice and the practitioner and, and getting, the culture.
0: And you're getting all the nutrients you need and…
1: They'll usually eat something simple like a grilled fish and a grilled plantain wow. for a basic starch and a basic um, protein.
0: Uh-huh.
1: No salt, no sugar, no spices, no nothing. Wow. And what that does is especially taking the salt out of the diet is it opens the energy body to receive information from these plants. These plants have a spirit. Mm-hmm. They have wisdom. They have intelligence. There's a symbiosis between plant life and animal life that we ignore in modern society, mainly because we're not raised around it. We're not immersed in it. Mm-hmm. But in fact, we exhale carbon dioxide. They thrive on it. Right. We excrete through our urine, all kinds of nitrogen compounds. They thrive on it. We excrete through our rectum, all kinds of partially digested food. It's a family show. And when show. this breaks down, <laughs> They They thrive on it. Mm -hmm. So, and yet plants, we eat their leaves, we Mm -hmm. eat their fruits, we eat their flowers.
0: They love our oxygen or no, we love, we love their oxygen. We love
1: their oxygen. Yeah. So it's not surprising that the source that created all of this has created it with some symbiosis that these plants have incredible power to help. Mm -hmm. And there are also some plants that have some more toxic properties Mm -hmm. and some of them are still very useful depending on how you process them, and depending on what part of the plant you use. That's true, like
0: the Amanita mushroom. Like I had a dog that I loved very much and she ate a poisonous death cat mushroom and died. Highly toxic, they kill human beings every year, extremely toxic. Their cousin is the the mushroom that is commonly known as shrooms and looks like the Super Mario mushroom that grows in poop. And that's a whole different experience for a right. human being. But, but very similar. And
1: amanita has been used shamanically for centuries. Yeah, amanitas can actually be processed to be consumed and they are also visionary. Mm-hmm. You know, getting back to the visionary aspects of DMT, the interesting thing about it is it's not a hallucinogen. Whereas psilocybin, LSD, um, they are hallucinogenic in that they're they're similar to dimethyltryptamine but they're not the same so they distort some of the images so when you open your eyes and you're using those kinds of elements there they can be very distorting to the visual mm-hmm. perception but dimethyltryptamine does not do that so what exactly does it do it just it opens you, your you actually see into the realm of spirit where you can experience the angelic realms you can experience the realms of plants Animals, see beings from other dimensions, including your ancestors.
0: No, to the average Joe schmo, that sounds like hallucinating.
1: To the average Joe, it might might sound like hallucinating, but do your ancestors exist?
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, they existed. I mean, it's a I physically think, they existed. Yes,
1: but does their energy still exist?
0: It depends on if you believe in reincarnation. I mean, it's possible that does you could.
1: Yeah, Physics it, tells us that energy
0: you can't lose, or yeah, right. It has to go somewhere. So, where does
1: the energy of someone's spirit go when they die?
0: I don't know. I can't answer all those questions, Howard.
1: Going to Peru, I can't give you that. all the answers to Going life, to Peru right? answered that question for me. So, where do they go? Into the energy realm, same place they came from.
0: So, do you believe in reincarnation? I believe that people
1: re-experience life again and again. So yeah.
0: So, yes. So the, so those energies that are in that realm Let's just go and So then they could be back on earth in a physical form So then you couldn't see So you're asking me if my ancestors exist Their energy exists Their I could, spirit exists I could be my own ancestor
1: Well by definition you are I'm my own ancestor. You are related to you, aren't you?
0: I am, but I could be my own ancestor. I could, someone could have, my great-great-grandfather could have died and then reincarnated as Absolutely. me. Absolutely. So uh, he could be, we could you be the could same be guy. You could be your grandfather. I could be. That was weird. I didn't expect myself to say that. This just got
1: real weird, Howard. Would... It will get real weird. <laughs> yeah. When you start talking about energy and you start talking about beliefs that are outside of modern cultural memes. Yeah. In other cultures, these concepts are so common that they don't think twice about them. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, so let's talk. One of the things that's always fascinating to me about shamanism and what kind of got me in mean, it, I took a class in college. I don't know how this class was offered. It was a pretty conservative school, and they had a class. It was called Mind and Body States. And so we went over all this type of stuff, you know, And I remember one of the things we had to do was write a journal where we had various, you know, whether it was sleeping or, you know. And I remember when we got to shamanism, the shamanistic journey always fascinated me. So let's talk a little bit about that and then move that into animal totems because I think they're very closely related.
1: Well, you know, an important thing to remember about shamanism and healing is these plants are vehicles to see into realms we don't normally see in and These plants are also ways to bring balance and harmony into the body, but the real, real healer is love. So really the work is about getting to a place of Mm self-love. Anything that's out of alignment with that needs to go. Now, if that means changing how we live, changing our actions, or we continue to do the same things, whether it's carrying the fact that I'm still angry at my mother for the way she was in her life. Any aspect of it doesn't matter. If I keep carrying that anger, then it's just going to be a block. Hmm. Traditionally thought of as being in the liver. So illness comes from being out of balance. Dis-ease is not is being not at ease. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a spiritual ill at ease or a physical ill at ease, it'll always manifest physically. Because we have this body that's completely reflective of our emotional state. Right. So shamanism is really about love. It's about the heart. So person who gets into shamanic practice, especially for the, for the aspects of healing, you know, is one that's coming with a big heart, hmm. who loves and wishes to help others get well.
0: And so how does that lead us into shamanic journeys?
1: Shamanic journeys are really about going inside. There's nothing out there. It's all in here. The macrocosm, He's the microcosm. He's pointing to his
0: heart. Yeah. So it's all in your heart.
1: It's all in your heart. It's all inside this, still this to vessel, heart. this yes. body. So we're not really looking out there for answers. We're going inside to connect to the universe because it's all happening all at once.
0: And so how does that, does that take place with drumming usually? Like, because I know, I have a book, Ted Andrews wrote a book right. about animal totems, and he has like a little CD, and it has like a whole...
1: Right, and st- there's another gentleman, Hank Wesselman, who, who talks about shamanic journeying as well with his own experiences of meeting an ancestor. Books are Spirit Walker, Medicine Maker, there are several of them. So how does, so how does it work? Well, people start to drum for you. In many practices, the shaman himself will start drumming. Or shake, or, or shake a shaker mm-hmm. so that an assistant will drum with them or her. And they will enter a theta state, usually cover their eyes, lay down and go inside on a journey into other realms. Quantum mechanics now tells us those realms exist. There's no doubt about it, that there is a multiverse. It's no longer about a universe. Mm-hmm. And there are many dimensions, at least 10, probably infinite. So if there are other dimensions and there are beings that have energy and are energy, then wouldn't a journey be into those realms? Wouldn't you be able to journey into those realms to communicate with the spirits of plants, to communicate with the spirits of animals? Mm-hmm. Now you hear people talk about ESP or sixth sense or being able to tell you know, people have been able to divine that an earthquake was coming or a flood. Animals can. Animals can. You know, are they sensing those micro vibrations in the ground or are they sensing the shift in the energy of the earth? Because they're far more tuned into it than we are. Part of a human brain is that we can tend to focus more on the mundane aspects of our lives and get completely disconnected from nature.
0: I've always said that.
1: And by getting completely disconnected from nature, we think that all of these things are magic or mystery and frankly, they're only magical and mysterious because we haven't connected in with it. So the shamanic journey is really about connecting in to those aspects of existence. And I think, quote, more primitive cultures um, tuned into those more easily because they didn't have all the distractions of modern society. You know, we're being constantly bombarded by messages. We always have something to do, somewhere to be turn on the radio, get the cell phone and all the electromagnetic waves that are bouncing around may also impede us from that connection. But when you get into places that are more out of the way, more away from big cities where people live more in a rhythm of life, in the rhythm of nature, they're more tuned into these aspects. You know, what we used to call primitive people. They're not primitive. We look at... um, Machu Picchu was a self-sustaining city of 750 people with its own water system. This is a long time ago. These people were able to grow food in a place and sustain 750 people in a very small area, very comfortably and quite affluently. We call them primitive today because they didn't have cars and they didn't have telephones and they didn't have computers, but... They actually had a way of life that was so abundant that the Incas really didn't conquer a lot of civilizations. They sort of absorbed them mm-hmm. because neighboring civilizations were like, we want what you have. We want to know how you're doing it. And today we're still learning from these ancient cultures how to live more sustainably. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, you know, we have made a mess with our industrial revolution not saying the technology and modern conveniences aren't good. They're fabulous.
0: I and mean, we're sitting on a bunch right now. i looking right. at $50,000 worth of equipment right now. Right. Here.
1: But the important thing is how to live with it sustainably.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, how to create it sustainably so that it, its impact is minimal on the biosphere that we have of planet Earth. You know, we're starting to understand, is global warming caused by man? Is it not? We do have some evidence to say that we are contributing to it. Pretty significant evidence. Is there something we can do to stop that? Well, maybe we can't stop global warming because it's part of this natural cycle of the earth getting warmer and colder. As we've known, there have been many ice ages. And But we can certainly stop peeing in the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And that's really what sustainability is about. How can we live in a way we use pesticides, chemical pesticides to clear fields when there are simple ways of using a tea made from worm castings right. that is both nourishing to the plants and also impedes the growth and proliferation of pests. And it's edible. What a novel concept. It costs about a 10th the price of, natural, of of chemical fertilizers Which, I mean, chemical fertilizers are a great gift, right? Mm -hmm. But they also are used with chemical pesticides. They have to be, because chemical pesticides sterilize the ground. Mm -hmm. So then you need a chemical fertilizer to put all the nutrients in that the living flora and fauna that are supposed to be below the surface in the soil, breaking all this biomass down to replenish. You go to a place like Hawaii where they haven't used that kind of thing. They just use natural. Things grow like they're on steroids, but you go to places like all along the food belt here in California where the ground underneath these trees in the farmland is sterile, nothing grows. And they have to use expensive fertilizers and chemical pest control, whereas creating a more sustainable, more biologically active environment would allow for the natural replenishment of the soil and the proliferation of good bacteria in the ground that keep pests at bay.
0: It's like eating yogurt to reintroduce the fauna and flora to your gut.
1: Exactly. You know, we use antibiotics, which are very, very beneficial when a body gets overwhelmed by an infection. Probably one of the greatest gifts of modern mankind to healing. There are many diseases that the body would be overwhelmed by because they, they reproduce so quickly. And antibiotics are great to break the cycle.
0: But antibiotics might be the tools of our destruction. I mean there are lots of, you know, we we've overused them. We've
1: overused them because we haven't been we've been using them as a vehicle of convenience. Kid comes into a doctor with a sniffle, they give him penicillin. Right. It's like how about taking a blood test and seeing what it is. If it's a cold, don't give the kid anything except some vitamin C, some echinacea, some zinc. Some things that will just help the body get over it because it's not an invader that we have a pill for.
0: Well, but, I mean, I go to a homeopathic doctor, and I had strep throat. And I remember thinking when I was a kid that strep throat was impossible to cure without an antibiotic. It's not. It's I, not. I actually, I, it, it, you can heal it quicker with homeopathy. I was blown away. And at that point, was, that's when I became a complete believer in homeopathic medicine.
1: There are plants that are so biologically active. For example, one of the greatest ones, dill, is a very, very antibacterial. I didn't know that. Most people don't use dill. I use it in tartar sauce. That's about it. Yeah, dill is very antibacterial. As a matter of fact, that's why I think it was so prevalent. It's also very anti-cancer. Cat's claw is also very anti-cancer and antibacterial. There are more plants than we can imagine. And if we started studying more about what the plants do, I'm less about worrying how we can patent them.
0: Well, you know about permaculture, right? Have yes. You? So there's a, a guy that I know who he does permaculture professionally and it's this fascinating equilibrium that you create You create an edible lawn, basically, and it's how these plants live together, and you put garlic and onions at the base of a you know, cherry tree, and-, and so it keeps the pests off the, tr- the tree, and meanwhile, you can get cherries, onions, and garlic. I mean, it's this amazing way to have an edible yard. You know? I mean, it's not self-sustainable. You can't live off of it unless you have a big enough yard, but right. it's, it's, it's the idea that you can do all that stuff naturally. And it's good for the grass and the, you know, the lawn and everything. Um, well, let's talk about, we have about five minutes left. Let's talk about animal totems. We didn't quite get to that. And these are, these are some of my, fa- I, this may not be your area of expertise, but this is one of my, fascin- my fascinations.
1: I love animal totems. You know, I've been a dog guy since I was a kid. And I never really understood what that was about. But we all relate to animals. We all relate to animals in one way or another. Some people love birds, some people love dogs, cats, fish, whatever. Animals can teach us certain characteristics or qualities that are very beneficial. For example, dogs are about pack. They're about coexistence. They're about working together. They are about uh, serving each other, about family, they are um, steadfast in their loyalty to one another. So if you're looking at building community or learning to work together with others, dog or wolf is a great animal totem to work with. Mm. And some people come by them naturally. I mean, one of the most interesting things to know is that animals that you're both really drawn to and really rebelled by, are considered to be totems. Ted Andrews talks about that in his book. Mm -hmm. So if you're very fearful of snakes, it'd be good to start to understand more about snakes and what snake medicine is. Mm -hmm. Medicine being energy. What is the energy of the snake about? What is the energy of the wolf about? What is the energy of the hawk about? It's about seeing at a distance.
0: I'm extremely scared of sharks. Here's why. I think everyone should be scared of sharks. Here's what they do. They sleep. They don't actually they don't sleep. They they swim and they eat. They reproduce and they crap out what they ate and they start the cycle all over again. That's all that they do. They're insane killing. They're designed. They're top of the food chain. They're they're the one of the, the, those and the cockroaches are perfectly designed animals to do what they do. No one kills and eats
1: more than the shark. What's the energy there? Well, the energy there of the shark, they are don't bullshit me now. The shark is about cleaning up the dead and the dying. Well, that's more bottom feeders. That's like a nurse
0: shark, a lobster. They sharks, eat live things, though. They sharks are people. predators
1: that generally attack the people. weakest, the <laughs> weakest animals. If you actually count the number of human shark attacks, I think you'll be I think you'll be it's pleasantly surprised <laughs> to know first of all that it's when humans are invariably and foolishly in a place where sharks are. Mm-hmm. Now if you go snorkeling in in Hawaii, you will look down and you will see lots of sharks. They're not really interested in attacking people. When a shark invariably comes up and bites a surfer in a wetsuit, it believes and thinks that it's going after a seal right It's going after its regular food source
0: right It doesn't eat. Things with big
1: gear on and, you know. It doesn't want to try chewing up neoprene (laughs) or a polyurethane surfboard. Right. And frankly, they don't really want to kill, don't really try to kill anything that they can't devour entirely. Mm. They usually feed on the diseased and the weak and the old. So, in fact. Like most predators. Right. What they're doing is they're actually supporting the greatest strength of a species by by being a predator of that species
0: <laughs> try selling that to the species being attacked well I, I don't mean, think I, believe you, I don't but... think
1: the seals ever worry about it
0: you don't think they're ever worried about
1: sharks coming in And I don't think they ever think about it I think they live their life doing what seals do and if a shark comes by they do their best to get away and if they don't they don't
0: I think if a, if a seal has a sniffle and they're like oh dude I'm like looking around it's the slowest seal of the group I think he's kind of like dude I'm I got a I think he's worried I really do
1: I don't think he thinks about it much I think he does
0: I mean, I, look I don't know but
1: maybe well we I watch... tend to project more human emotions yeah. on animals than maybe a little Disney, Disney action going on over here but. you know in a chase I think that seal is thinking about getting away yeah and once that aspect is not possible then the seal is definitely already stepping into the spirit realm <laughs> as you can see I mean up here in, in the canyon we see owls and hawks pick up prey all the time and once the chase is over you can see the surrender in the animal that's about to be eaten oh that's depressing
0: that's how we're going to end this on that depressing note (laughs) animals giving up and dying not giving up but they're surrendering to the
1: natural order which is some get eaten some get run over that's not the natural order
0: now maybe now it's the natural order, but it was. It's an unnatural order. It's but an unnatural order. You know, many
1: squirrels order. end their life here in the canyon because they think <laughs> that they can outrun a car.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, well, Howard, how can people get in touch with you? Do you have uh, anything to promote? Do you have a website? What do you you know? What, what do well, you? Well,
1: in the years of experience of working with um, with music and sound for healing, um, I make music. I make music that is both uplifting with my wife, inspirational, fun and or shamanic in nature that takes people on a journey inward. And it is about feeling better, it is about self-awareness, and it is about self-knowledge. So you can find us at accessmundientertainment.com. Let's spell that. A-X-I-S-M-U-N-D-I entertainment.com.
0: And that, that shows how they can get the music, they can download. That shows how
1: they can get the music, they can also get in touch with me and learn more about sound, Through the website, through the
0: website. Do you have a Twitter handle? Do you have a Facebook page? At Howard Lip. At Howard. No kidding. I didn't think you were going to say yes. Most people, most people uh, aren't really that into Twitter, but. I'm going to write that down, at Howard Lip, and they can contact you through the website. Yes. Um, This is great stuff. This is right up my alley. I'd love this stuff. I wish I I also do
1: spiritual counseling for people. Is it? Oh, okay.
0: This is all all through the website. Uh, The website is
1: just um, the music company, but if they contact me through that website, they can learn more. Oh, no kidding. There will be a new website coming up about that spiritual guidance. I think that there's something, after going through the journey that I've had in life, I think there's really something that I can share with people about how to get more in touch with the source without maybe the things that have troubled them about their upbringing religiously because religion and spirituality don't necessarily intersect. That's, that is, that's the, the,
0: the lesson we all learned pretty yeah. early on. Yeah. Um, all right, Howard, thank you so much for taking time out and um, we'll talk to you soon. See you later.
1: Thank you.